on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour underway. It is Thursday, April 13th, and welcome to the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. It says Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson of Post Media along with you as we get things underway from our... Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio. Flames Talk available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Game 82 in the books, and one of the exciting moments of the season was seeing Dustin Wolf and Matt Coronado take their solo laps prior to Wednesday's win over the San Jose Sharks. And there is a lot of buzz surrounding Dustin Wolf in this city right now. And not just because he debuted on Wednesday, because he's setting historic marks in the American League at what he's doing at the age of 20 and 21 in his first professional seasons. The buzz about Dustin Wolf is only getting louder and louder and louder. So we finally figured, Wes said, you know, we should talk to this guy today. And I said, well, he's been trying to get away from me since Wednesday night. Um, but uh, apparently we've reeled in Jordan Sigalette as well. Siggy is the director of goaltending for the Calgary Flames and joins us right now. I, I thought I thought you were finally rid of me, but uh, apparently that elevator ride was just the beginning, Siggy. How we doing? Yeah, I thought the same. I went uh, from press box to elevator with you, and now I'm back on the phone with you. So Sorry about your damn good, though. <laughs> um, how cool was that? For you to see, you were, you were so instrumental in identifying Dustin in 2019 and getting him drafted in the seventh round. And you've watched this guy's incredible career since joining the Flames organization. Just how cool was it for you upstairs to see him lead the team out, get that solo lap, and pick up the win in his NHL debut? I'm just curious as to how you were feeling personally last night. Yeah, I was uh, pretty emotional, honestly. It was like a, a proud father moment when, you know, you're watching someone you've had in your organization for so long and you're just waiting for him to get that opportunity. And, you know, fortunately for us in Calgary, we haven't had, you know, goalies miss games due to injuries or personal reasons. So he hasn't really gotten that opportunity only to back up. So to finally get that chance and take full advantage of it, you know, brought a smile to my face and, you know, it was pretty funny, you know, his first puck plays is getting a standing ovation, so it was uh, pretty awesome to see. What'd you think? How uh, how did you feel his game? I know it was game 82 and it didn't have any standings implications, but you can still get somewhat of a read as to how his game translates to the highest level. Yeah, you know, he just does what he did at every other level, just wins and finds a way, and doesn't matter if he sees 20 shots, 40, puts the same game on the table every night, and you could see some nerves early, especially with his first puck play. And I thought his game really calmed down after that disallowed goal happened and settled in then. And it's, it's probably not easy in your first NHL game, not seeing a lot of action as you got more time to think back there. And once you started to see a few more pucks, you know, I thought, I thought he did an excellent job of, you know, just eating rebounds and, you know, everything was clean and his exchanges got better as the game went on. And uh, he didn't look out of place at all, which was great to see. Jordan, anytime that I've spoken with you about 
Dustin or any time I've spoken with other people in the organization, there's the two themes that come up every time. His competitiveness and his ability to understand the game from the crease and how he reads how things are going to happen. First of all, can you give us a little bit more on those two things and those kind of central themes as to why he's now made his debut in the NHL? Like what tell us a little bit more about those parts of his game. Yeah, his hockey sense is probably the highest I've seen in any goalie at any level. It's it's really insane and um, for a guy his size, it's and it's something he's going to have to have uh, the ability to read the play, read the shot. Like he's a guy you'll see stand up and catch pucks or stand up and make saves just because he he reads the shot really so well. He's not a guy that just drops and then reacts, and um, he's always got his head on a swivel, scanning for threats, so he knows where you know the threats are on the ice on the backside, so he can have good lines and routes in the net. And he just, he hates getting scored on like most goalies. He hates losing and always wants to get better. And, um, you know, his preparation, his mental toughness, his focus, you know, it's, it's what, you know, it's, it's huge. Like that's, it's rare for a kid that's going to be what, 22 coming this Sunday. Yeah. Such a young age to have, you know, such a maturity about his game. So, when you talk about, especially the the anticipation and the way that he reads and understands the game, and I, you, you saw three periods of it in the NHL on Wednesday night, but just how do you think it translates to the NHL? And and even taking into account what you saw against the Sharks, it's it's a different level. the The speed and the shot and the understanding are even a step above what he's seen in the American League. So. What what is your read and your feel as to how it translates ultimately to the highest level? Well, I think the one thing that helps him translate really well too is just his quickness with the the speed of the game today. Like you saw so many times last night, where there's a pass out and you know he's just there right away. He gets to his spots. His feet are set. He's not drifting. There's little extra movement in his game. He just he makes himself big for a six foot guy and. That's going to be key at the NHL level. And to, to play in that game last night after just a morning skate, you know, he adjusted pretty quickly. Sometimes it's nice to get a couple practice days to adjust to the speed of the shot and the pace. But uh, with his quickness and controlled athleticism, you know, he's, he's just always in good spots and plays a big game for a small guy. Jordan Sigalet's with us. He's the Flames Director of Goaltending, joining us here on Flames Talk. It's Pat Steinberg and Siggy. You've also got Wes. Wes your two favorites. Wes Gilbertson's with us as well. <laughs> And we're, and we're, lover. we're not going <laughs> to ask you to rank the favorites, so don't worry about that. Jordan, you, you already know where you fall. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, you know, I don't Wait mind the second. silver medal, though. Means. I don't mind the silver medal. <laughs> you uh, you did a lot of uh, twine minding uh, in your career. You, you know, played in the NCAA, played in the AHL, had a memorable night with the Boston Bruins. I'm just curious, can you explain that? That warm-up routine, that that leap, that vertical leap off the ice, can you explain how difficult that would be in goaltending skates? <laughs> it's not easy. And he gets some good vertical there. He gets almost two feet and lands it perfectly every time. And, you know, it's just one of his little superstitions and way to get prepared. And he does it before every period. And I still I still get excited to watch it every time he does it. So I'm usually nudging the person next to me, telling him to watch too. So, um Pretty cool little part of his routine, and uh, I'm sure it's something he'll never quit doing. I want to take you back to the 2019 draft, and there's something that 
Todd Button, the the Flames director of amateur scouting, has said to me several times that that always stuck with me, and that was always when you'd ask him about finding Johnny Gaudreau in the fourth round, he'd always say, hey, if we knew Johnny Gaudreau was going to be a superstar, we wouldn't have waited until the fourth round to draft him. And so I'm curious if you can take us back to that day. Obviously, there for Dustin Wolf to be available in the seventh round, there were people who had questions about it. why was he a guy that you pushed so hard for? And, and maybe you can just set the scene. What was it like in that, seventh round to be at the flames draft table you know everyone in our organization that had seen him loved him and it was always just the size was a knock and usually you see the smaller guys go in the later rounds and i tell people now like if if he was six two six three he would have been a first second round pick and um you're just taking on a swing on a guy that has all the talent and all the skill in the world but you know people are going to look past him just because of size and the same thing happened with devin levi uh, with Florida there, and then he got traded to Buffalo, but he was a smaller size guy that you know, slipped down in the seventh round. And um, I think I think you're going to start to see more and more smaller guys creep back into the game if they have the hockey sense and the ability. And you see it in UC Saros, and even Igor Shesterkin's not a big guy. So I think these guys are going to change the way you know moving forward. But uh, I remember seeing Wolfie and Spencer Knight at the USA camp that year, and Wolfie was the best goalie on the ice in my eyes. And I remember when we picked him, just, you know, and reinforcing to Todd how good of a pick that was. And, you know, I, I didn't know I was going to translate this quickly and this well, but, you know, the kid's now 75, 18, and 7, and his time between the AHL the last two years and his one NHL game, like, those numbers are ridiculous. I, I hadn't crunched them all like that. I'm just shaking my head right now. That, that record is absolutely <laughs> staggering. Uh, one and oh in the NHL. What, uh, whether it was in person or, or via text, what did you say to him after his, his first win last night? Yeah, last night I, I just sent him a text after the game. I knew he'd be bombarded and I had family there, and I had to catch an early flight this morning to the U.S. for some uh, scouting some games. So I just told him I was proud of him, and it's the first of many, and look forward to seeing many more. And you know, he's it's awesome just listening to him in his media after the game. Like the NHL, he wasn't even talking about it anymore. It was about going to, you know, with the Wranglers and trying to win a Calder Cup and trying to clinch first. Like all the kid wants to do is have success and keep winning and keep setting records. And he's super humble about it at the same time. He uh, he goes back to the Wranglers today, as we all knew. And, and he's also named <clears throat> to the AHL's first all-star team, which probably spoils some drama because if you're the goalie on the first all-star team, you're going to win the goaltender of the year award, whenever that gets announced. So, so we maybe got that out of the way, but I chatted with some of his Wranglers teammates about this possibility. Daryl Sutter raised it yesterday in his pregame comments. Maybe you can make the case. Is, is Dustin Wolf the AHL's MVP? Well, I think there's no question with, with the team being in Calgary and probably seeing I've probably seen almost every single home game this year and I try and watch almost all of them on, on video when they're on the road and sometimes I do travel with them and you know myself and Mackenzie Skapsky have nicknamed them the mop or the Dyson just because when it does get messy he's there to clean it all up and um, you know like like I said before it doesn't matter how good or bad the team is in front of him he's putting that same game on the table every night and if he does have a rare bad game like the way he bounces back is incredible he's able to just 
park things and um, put them behind them and just move on. And, you know, that's, that's what you need if you want to be an NHL goalie, just to have those nerves of steel and that mental toughness. And I quite honestly, I'm getting sick of texting them about all these awards because it seems like they happen, you know, <laughs> every week or every day. So I sent him another one today about that. So. Jordan Sigalet's with us. He is the Flames director of goaltending. We're talking a little bit about Dustin Wolf and how it came to be, what we saw from him on Wednesday in his NHL debut. And I guess we'll wrap it up, Siggy, by what comes next. And, and before maybe we get there, I'm curious as to what the messaging has been to Dustin over the last couple of seasons and specifically this year. Here he is having another historic year in the NHL, AHL rather. He's uh, up to 41 wins. He leads that category by like 15 or something like that when when it comes to the wins he's got he he leads the American League in every statistical category for goaltenders and yet there's Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar an established number one and an up-and-coming guy that are on the NHL team what what are the conversations like in terms of biding time and and the progression and what comes next I'm just curious as to what the messaging has been like from from you in the org to Dustin yeah, well, after we got knocked out of the playoffs the other night, uh, we were down in the management room, and it was the first thing I brought up was, you know, we need to get this kid a game. Like, it's a mean-nothing game. you got to break this kid in like a horse. You see, I always go back to the UC Soros thing where they would bring him up, play him, send him back down, get him some games, get him some experience, have him around Pecorine, just like having, you know, Wolfie around Markstrom, Bladar, and uh, it's just continuing to get him games, and... Um, when we feel he's ready to be full-time, then, you know, you're going to have to make room for him. There's going to be tough decisions to be made, but it's obviously a good situation to be in when you have three really good goalies. And um, But we've had that conversation with Dustin, even when we signed Dan Ladar, like this isn't going to, you know, roadblock you or get in the way. Like when, when you're ready, we're, we're going to make sure there's room for you. And um, at the same time, you don't want to rush him and, you know, throw him to the wolves too early. And um, But, you know, he continues to prove and, and make a statement that uh, it's going to be sooner than later. So it's exciting to see. And, um, you know, he's he's not too worried about it. He knows he's going to have his time, and he's just going to keep putting in the work and, uh, you know, winning wherever he is. So, and you mentioned the Soros thing, and, and you know, that was Nashville and, and Milwaukee. What about the unique situation and opportunity you've got with your setup now, with the Wranglers and the Flames being in the same market? How how much of an opportunity does that give you to kind of do what you just said? You know, maybe he plays on the weekends with the Wranglers, but if there's an opportunity, if the schedule allows, you can get him into a game at the NHL level. And I'm not suggesting that you're going to tip your hand and tell us what's going to happen, but with the Wranglers being in the same city as the Flames, what type of opportunities does that give you to, to maybe work Dustin into the NHL and, and get him some action at the highest level more so than maybe other teams could? Yeah, I think it definitely does for the most part. Um, but I also find a lot of times when the Wranglers are home, the Flames are sometimes on the road, you're kind of always staggering schedules. But there are there is the odd time you know where both teams are there so it would definitely make that a lot easier to do and obviously not the travel going back and forth to california and connecting flights and you know it's right in your backyard now so it's definitely nice to have and um i feel like i live at the saddle dome now because i think i'm there almost every single day but 
it's great great to have you know live eyes on those guys as much as we do now especially with management and you know daryl there at a lot of games because of his son on the team and um i think i think it goes a long way and you have a way better feel for everyone in the organization so safe to say like this is this is not catching the organization off by guard. Uh, sorry, off guard. It's not like you guys are like, holy crap, Dustin Wolf is good. We got to figure this out. This this has been something you've been talking about in terms of progression in your goaltender ladder. You've you've had this on your radar for quite a while, hey? Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, it was that, that was the first step last night. And um, you know, even for him to get get to be up there to back up last year I think it was good to be around the guys and to see how they prepare and what they go through on a daily basis and um, even for having you know like like you said having the Wranglers there like there's so many times this year where Dustin's reached out and asked for tickets and goes to a lot of Flames games and watches them on his own too with a couple teammates and you know just I think it made it a lot easier for his adjustment last night. He's used to playing in the saddle now, a little bit bigger crowd, but uh, he's familiar with the surroundings, and I think that helped him, you know, step right in there. Siggy, you know we always finish with the hard-hitting ones, so be honest here. Did you did you, you howl really want at to all? Move to number one on my list, or do you want to stay number two? <laughs> did, did you howl? Did you howl at all last night? No, but. Uh, Barbara kept chirping me because he knew how excited I was to see him play. So he kept texting me during the game. And I said, every time he makes a save, I'm going to stand up and howl. And <laughs> that wa- just glad they, I'm just glad they didn't play the Big Bad Wolf song because that gets bad. That gets, uh, that's not a good one. I will say that I was wondering because people were stoked and he got a huge reaction from the crowd when he was introduced pregame. I was interested to see, like, okay. Because uh, everybody kept on tweeting me and going, oh, are they going to start doing that <laughs> by the third period? Did you pick up? Like, they were doing it, it in the was third awesome. period. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, there was a lot of them, and it was, it was hilarious because it was like, it could be a dump-in. It could be just setting <laughs> yeah. the puck behind the net. And, yeah, I got a good laugh out of that. It was awesome. I mean, no offense to that first save on Logan Couture, but I probably could have stopped that, and the place <laughs> went nuts. It was awesome. It was, it was great. Good stuff, Siggy. I, I'm I'm really happy you got to see that in person. I uh, I I was sitting like four seats down from you, and I just kept on looking over, and and you could tell how you could tell that it was a pretty cool moment for you as well. I'm glad you got to be there for Dustin Wolf's debut, man. Uh, enjoy your time south of the border, because you know I know the goaltending grind, finding the next goalies continues for you. But thanks for spending some time with us today and uh, giving us a little bit of a feel as to how big a moment that was for everybody yesterday. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, He's Jordan Sigalat. He is the director of goaltending for the Calgary Flames, and he joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out a deliveries at 403-248-3344. It's Pat and Wes with you on Flames Talk this hour as we continue along. Jonathan Davis, our NHL Network Radio Pacific Division insider, will set us up for the Pacific Division playoffs. Unfortunately, minus the Calgary Flames a little bit later on here this hour, but you know, it was it was just cool. And I I I really liked the kind of the message from Nikita Zadorov post game as well. Thanks again to Siggy for joining us. That was He's, awesome. That was really cool. Yeah. And I knew it as soon as he said right from the get go, I'm like, yep, this is gonna be good. Yeah. Uh, that, that was, was terrific. That was awesome. Thanks for thanks to Siggy for doing that. But this was Nikita Zadorov post game. The man of the hour, by the way. 
the first ever Flames defenseman to score a natural hat trick. No Flames defenseman's ever done it before. Only five others have ever recorded three in one game. Um, there's only one who's ever done it in a postseason game, and he's a guy who also did it in a regular season game. When was the last Flames defenseman to get a hat trick? Uh, Wes, you don't follow me on Twitter? I'm really disappointed by it. Was, uh... You know, I've been meaning to unclick mute. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, at least I'm not blocked. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, it was February of 2018 by, the, by, by a guy by the name of Dougie Hamilton. Ah, Dougie Hamilton was the last one to do it. God, he took so many shots ago. in the third period that night. Remember that? I remember he was firing from everywhere. Uh, and then before that, like the other guys, I think you would uh, expect. No, Dion never did it. Okay. Uh, Al McInnes did it. Of course. So that was uh, that was an easy one. Gary um, Suter? Suter never did it. Suter really? Suter's one of two guys to ever get six assists in a game, yeah. but he's never scored a hat trick, at least with the Flames. Okay. Uh, so it's Dougie. Al McInnes, I'm trying to do it without going to look at Bill Housley. Housley never did it. I'm how thinking about, more of assists, guys. How about Dana Merzen being oh, one of them? I would not have guessed that. Easy one when you think about it. Paul Reinhardt. Right. He's the only guy to do it twice. He did it in the regular season and the postseason. And he was more of a setup guy, too, but he could score. Uh, Barry Gibbs. Back in the seventies with Atlanta, okay, is one to do it. Now I got to go look at my tweet to remember who. This I really took was. us off topic here. I'm sorry. Uh, I think that oh, Zadorov, Gibbs, Reinhardt, Merzin, McKinnis, Hamilton. Those are the six. Yeah, okay. So we okay. got them all. Play the clip. It's good stuff. Oh yes, here's Nikita Zadorov on Dustin Wolf. Uh, we just got off. Congratulations to got Nikita. Yeah, that was wicked to see him score a hat trick. But I just like the way now he was. In full-on stand-up routine. Oh, I love that he called the empty netter a nice fade six iron. That really spoke to the golfer yeah, in me. You were you a little tear. I, I mean, see. I wish I hit my six iron that far, but good point. I wish I hit my driver that far. <laughs> uh, here's uh, Nikita Zadorov on Dustin Wolf. I just like the way he's tempering expectations. It's a good teammate right here. Let's don't go that far. You know, he played only one initial. Game, of course, right? like he of had course. a great, definitely great numbers in HL. We have uh, two great goalies in here and I think they play outstanding. You know, Marky is like one of the best goal in the world. Light is like the Raising Star as well. So I think it's this organization probably going to make some decisions. There's three goalies who can play all the time. So I think uh, it's huge. Um, I mean, it's always nice to have a goalie like that. It's uh, for the G-men especially like when you have so much trust when, who you have behind you, it's, it's always great. I just thought that was a really good way of let's not let's not put this guy in a bad spot. And I, I think some of his wording got a little misconstrued there. I don't think Nikita was suggesting that we gotta trade one of these guys. I think what he was suggesting is we've got a we've got three good goalies and the organization's gonna have to figure out a way to work with it. But I just I really appreciated the way that he was not trying to take anything away from Dustin, but trying to protect him a little bit. Like, hey, let's not Let's not turn this guy into a where, where you're hyping him so much that he ends up falling short of your expectations immediately. I just I appreciated that from Nikita. Protecting is the perfect word, and it it wasn't just Dustin Wolf he was protecting. It was Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar as yep. well. And and if you went a little earlier in that media scrum, he had made a joke about well everyone was waiting to see Coronado. The media wanted to see him. People on Twitter wanted to see him. Nikita Zadorov is aware of of sort of what people are saying on social media. And I think was aware of, and I heard our pal Aaron Vickers talk about on Flames Talk yesterday that 
Dustin Wolf might have a, a really good outing and suddenly everyone would say, hey, he needs to be the the starter. And so I thought that was a really reasonable and, and insightful response from Nikita Zadorov to say, hey, yeah, good start, but let's just tap the brakes. We have a lot of confidence in the guys we have here. We liked what we saw from Dustin tonight, and let's just leave it at yep. that for now. Now, everyone else probably isn't going to leave it at that. There's a lot of excitement about Dustin. We're going to talk plenty on this program about all the decisions, including goaltending, that will loom. We'll break down maybe what went wrong for the other goaltenders at various parts of this season. But coming from Nikita Zadorov after his first career hat trick, I thought that was a great answer. I uh, and just want to correct myself. I read the Sportsnet stats tweet wrong when I when I, and I so second Flames defenseman with a natural hat trick. Reinhardt did it. See, in this 86. is this is why I don't follow you. It's misinformation. You just said I was muted. <laughs> I never tweeted that part. I did not tweet the. Uh, I did not tweet the last time there was a natural hat trick. But uh, second one, just wanted to make sure I got that correction in there. And I read. I read the Sportsnet stats tweet wrong because I'm a dummy. So I just wanted to make sure that I got that correction in there. And sixth defenseman in franchise history to record a hat trick. Very cool stuff from Nikita Zadorov on Wednesday. That was neat and it was cool. On top of Coronado, on top of Wolf, it was a cool little add-on to the whole thing. And he's a character, and he's a guy that's fun to cheer for. So fourteen uh, goals is double good season. He doubled his career high. Yeah, I think led all Flames in goals this year uh, amongst defensemen. Yeah, for sure he would have. Rasmus Anderson, I think, topped out around a dozen. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was twelve. I don't know how many people would have had that on their bingo card entering the season. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nikita's clearly going to lead the team amongst defensemen with goals. Uh, his 17, uh, sorry, 14, uh, was actually ninth on the team. Rasmus at 11. Uh, Hannafin, 7. Those are your okay. top three. And Michael Stone, 6. Pretty good goal per game ratio there from Michael Stone, though. Big Z. Good stuff. Uh, it's Pat and Wes. As this hour continues, we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement, they have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's go inside hockey on this Thursday for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. It's time to bring in our Pacific Division Insider. It's time to say hello to Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. He joins us right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Hello, JD. How are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing all right. We're a little... uh, Yeah, we're kind of... We're kind of a little raw as to it's we weren't expecting game 82 to be the last game this year, but we've kind of been uh, resigned to that for a few months. So it's less surprising now. Um, and how about this sniper, Pat? What's that? How about that new sniper you guys got up front? I uh, say it one more time. That new sniper is Oh, yes. Well, Nikita, sorry, I couldn't. Uh, you were a little muffled there for a second, but I heard you the third time. Um, well, also, I have four ears, apparently. Yeah, uh, well, he got 14 this year, so he doubled He doubled his prior career high, so I'm I'm chalking him up for 28 to 35 next year. Yeah, well, that would be good. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it would be great. 
What? Hey, before we dive in on the uh, Pacific Division playoffs, um, yeah. we saw we saw Eric Carlson in person. It's funny we had a really interesting chat with Eric prior to the game, and you know, a couple people were asking him about the Norris, and and I I, I really liked how honest Eric was. He's like, "Look, guys, I I got a hundred points." I know I can still play. I know what I'm capable of. If people want to dock me because this or that, um, I, I I hope that I win it. I think it would be, you know, I'm the sixth guy to get 100 points as a defenseman, all that type of stuff. I just, I liked how honest he was about it. And somebody asked him, I think it was actually Julian of the Athletic, who asked him, you know, what about making, a, making a, an award for an offensive defenseman and then also having the Norris trophies? Like, well, here's what I, to paraphrase, he said, here's my problem with that. We keep asking defensemen to be more and more involved offensively, and that's what teams want, and then guys go and do it, and then people start knocking their defensive impacts. And he's like, I got 100 points is basically what he was saying. And I just, I, I thought it was really interesting to hear Eric speak as honestly about that. Where do you, you, you see him a lot. You cover that division, especially the, the California teams. What's your feel on Eric Carlson for the Norris? Well, I, there's no arguing the, the year he had offensively. I mean, it's, it's remarkable at what, 32 years old, considering, you know, especially what he's, gone through the last couple of years physically. Uh, remarkable season. But here, here's the issue. Here's my pushback for his argument about, you know, we ask, these, we ask more offensively from our guys. Kind of, he's sixth on his team, on his team in penalty killing. He's 191st in the league in penalty killing. It's the same argument I had when he won it the last time. I, I'm sorry. If you're the best defenseman in the NHL, you can't, you're not just, you're not just, he's the best, he's had the best offensive year for a defenseman. He's not the best defenseman. He's not. He's not a complete defenseman. He plays half the game. I mean, both minutes-wise and then, but he's not asked to play defensively. So uh, that's, that's the pushback that I would have right. on him winning the Norris. Like, to me, there's no question. You want to ask me who the best defenseman is? The guy in Colorado. Kale McCarr, that's the best defenseman in the NHL right now. Right. I just, and, 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 and go yeah. ahead, sorry. No, I mean, but just look, Kale, Kale averages, I took a look at this today. He's playing like 244 of PK time a game. You know, that ranks him, he's like in the 30s in PK. Add that to everything else that he does. Um, he's still over a point a game player, uh, you know, and, and he's missed a significant amount of time. I get it. He's not going to win this year. But, you know, that's the, that's the argument that I have with Carlson, is that he, he, he you know, he doesn't kill penalties. And, and, you're, and the guy who wins the Norris, it's the best defenseman, has to be able to kill penalties. Has to. Do you think he's going to win it? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, because I, I think, you know, look, we're caught up in those offensive numbers. If there was more of a balance, then, you know, I, I would say, yeah, okay. I just, that's the thing that, 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 that bothers me. You know, it's the same argument that I had, you know, the year Taylor Hall won, won the Hart Trophy. I'm sorry, that, that award should have gone to Andre Kopitar that year. Taylor Carr barely stepped on the ice when, he, when, when, there were, when there were, I think he played maybe three minutes of PK time that year. Right. It was definitely, it wasn't, 
Wasn't more than 20. Not the hard trophy. So that's that's my feeling. That's where I stand on on the award. Okay. I'm 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 on the I'm 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 of two minds. But when I think about Carlson getting 100 points and being just the sixth defenseman to ever do it, there's only one award one award for defensemen. I just I, I think you, I think you got to give it to him. And I know it's on a bad team. I I'm totally okay if Eric wins the the, the Norris this year, which he probably will. I, I totally understand. I, I I totally understand. I just think that he's just not the best, but he's been. It's a remarkable season, absolutely remarkable what he can do. Well, and my uh, my co-host uh, Wes is is here as well. Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. He has a vote on it. He's a P, uh, PHWA member. What uh, he, he just he just wants to chime in quickly. Yeah, I just want to chime in and sorry sure. sorry to interrupt you guys, but yeah. this is this is no, where please. I see Carlson winning is is there's not for the the people who say well I'm not voting for Eric Carlson because he couldn't check his coat this season. There's not an obvious guy that that crowd is voting for. And so I see the not going with Carlson vote getting split so many different ways. Morrissey, McAvoy, McCarr, Fox. There's so many different candidates if you decide Carlson's not your guy that I just can't see enough support for one of those guys. Wes, I think you make a fantastic point. I, I, I Totally agree with everything you just said. Totally agree. I'm fascinated to see where this thing goes. Uh, I think he's going to win. Yeah, well, but... look, look. The, the books already, you know, the betting, uh, the casinos, you know, anyone that was taking odds on the Norris took him took him down two weeks ago. Right, because he's just going to win it. Well, they took down him. They took down Connor, and they took down Maddie Beneers. Those were all taken down. Right. Um. All right, well, let's dive in on this Pacific Division playoff picture. Jonathan Davis with us from NHL Network, NHL Network Radio. Um, let's, let's start with Vegas. They're in the driver's seat when it comes to locking up the number one seed in the Pacific and the number one seed in the West. Absolutely. I mean, look, they, they're back at it against Seattle again tonight. Uh, and sure, the incentive is, you know, yes, to, to be first. I think the incentive is greater to be first in, you know, in, in the conference than it is in the division. I mean, look at, you know, the, the dilemma that both Edmonton, I, I think the dilemma that Edmonton and Vegas face is that the winner is going to play Winnipeg in the first round and have to go against Connor Hellebuck as opposed to going against, you know, Los Angeles or somehow if the LA Kings absolutely fall flat on their face and lose tonight and Seattle beats Vegas, then Seattle finishes third and the Kings become the wild card team. Um, you know, I mean, I would much rather face Edmonton the way Hellebuck has been playing of late. And, you mean Winnipeg? You know, last night was, I mean, Winnipeg. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, but look, I know in, in Edmonton's case, it was a topic of conversation at the morning skate today. Um, but, the, you know, if they had any designs on wanting to take tonight, you know, it wouldn't be Stuart Skinner starting in goal. And for them, you know, a lot of the players talked about winning 50 games this year and uh, how how significant they felt that was for them. Um, so, you know, and I believe both Edmonton and Vegas are going to go out and they're going to want to win. Uh, it's going to be uh, – so now Edmonton faces L.A. in in round one. And, you know, look, they've handled them quite well of late. And L.A. expects to have Kevin Fiala back. Um and, and, and hopefully,
basically, and, and Dave Velarde as well. So it's going to be a different look to their lineup. Um, we'll just see if anyone can stop that freight train in Edmonton. Uh, and in Vegas's case, they've had some good games against Winnipeg. Uh, but yeah, Connor, Connor Hellebuck, I mean, that game, uh, wait, was it, the days are all blending together to me. Uh, that game Tuesday night against Minnesota. I mean, yeah. he was outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. The save he made on Zuccarello with two minutes to go, with just his paddle, uh, I mean, I wouldn't call it a game saver because they were still up by two, but I mean, that's what I think we can expect from Connor Hellebuck, who I, I know there's a certain guy who works for, for your company who keeps saying he is the Vesna Trophy winner. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you think about that because you've got – Seattle in that spot where they can move into a let's let's say that Vegas does win it and they are the number one seed and they do draw Winnipeg. So then, what's better for Seattle? Then we just found out that Gabe Landeskog's not going to be back for Colorado, so they will not be getting him in the playoffs. What's better for Seattle? They've got an opportunity to move into a top three seed in the Pacific and play. Let's just say, for the sake of conversation, Edmonton. Is it better for them to do that, or is it better for Seattle to play Dallas or Colorado? I think it's better for them to play Dallas or Colorado only. Uh, from the standpoint that Edmonton has absolutely steamrolled Seattle every time they played them. Very true. It hasn't even, yeah, it it has not even been a a game. I mean, um, but look, you know, Colorado without Gabe Landeskog, I mean, look, that's something that they've done for, you know, virtually the entire season. So, you know, that was a bonus if he was able to return. Uh, I mean, I love the way that, that, that Colorado has played down the stretch. So I'm not too concerned, you know, and, and in the case of Dallas, I mean, you know, Hey, Dallas, I, if I remember, you know, Dallas had those two games in Seattle where they eat, eat them out. And I think they, they tied both those games uh, late. With, uh, you know, six, yeah, six on fives. Um, <laughs> they have had Seattle's number. I mean, look, ultimately, at the end of the day for Seattle, if Philip Grubauer is not the best player on the ice, um, then they're, then they're going to be in trouble. Because he has to win that series for them. Uh, they're not going to outscore Dallas, uh, and I don't believe that you know you know he's not going to be better than Jake Ottinger. And he's you know could he go toe to toe with Gorgiev? Yeah, Gorgiev's played really well of late, but you know obviously you know the experience in Col- no I shouldn't say the just the scouting experience in Seattle. We keep forgetting where I, I I you know had a little bit of a brain cramp here. How much playoff experience the Seattle Kraken have? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot there for sure. Um, last point, and that's just on the Oilers as they uh, look to finish off with 50 wins on the season. Yeah, I, I, you know, the biggest thing for me, Pat, is six goals against in the last four games. I mean, uh, that, that is unbelievable. You know, the game against Colorado, you know, give us seven more of those. Love to see that as a, as a Western Conference final. But just so impressed on how they have just clamped down defensively. I mean, that, that's, that's remarkable. Single goals in each of the last four games they've given up, and then before that it was the back-to-back shutout. So, uh, I mean, everything's working well. You know, you look, at, you look at their game against Colorado. Both goals came from defensemen. They won that game without Connor, Leon, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, any of those guys scoring. You know, uh, that, that, that tells you how much this team, to me, has changed. And, uh, you know, full, full credit there. I think they're the team to beat, and, and I hope we get Edmonton in the final. Uh, Ew! You know, oh, get, get, uh, d- d- Davis, I know, that's I know. enough. 
That's enough. <laughs> There's a bad connection, I think. There's yeah, I think I think I heard yeah. you. I think you. Uh, I heard you blaspheming on this show. Uh, this is you. You wash your mouth out with soap. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, pal. Appreciate well, it as always. Some of the other phrases. Hey, it's better than some of that other phrase you don't like me using. So. That's a good point. Ne- never use the term squeaky bum again. Uh, well, you know what? You might you might be on probation. <laughs> hey, you just said it, not me. That's a good point. Nope, fair point. Well, good rebuttal. Uh, get out of here, pal. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Uh, it's Jonathan Davis, NHL Network, NHL Network Radio. He might be suspended after that, actually, because nobody here wants that to be the case. Nobody. <laughs> now I know how to get time off in the summer. Exactly. Just say that, and uh, you're... Uh, you, you might get suspended. Jonathan Davis, NHL Network, NHL Network Radio Insider. Uh, he takes us on a spin around the Pacific every week. He joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Mr. Gilbertson, have yourself a wonderful rest of your Thursday, and uh, we'll see you Friday. For Locker Cleanout Day, we'll have comprehensive coverage of that on Flames Talk on Friday. Should be an interesting one. Yeah, I have no idea what to expect, no, honestly. No, me neither. Uh, for Wes, for Cam, and for Colton, our producers, my name is Pat, uh, and that'll wrap us up this hour on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a keyed alike system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.